0: What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, everyone. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me, come on!
1: We're Team USA, gathered from all across America, and we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Great day for hockey, ain't it? I'm Mike, that's Tommy.
2: What's up, everyone? That's Kevin. Hello, guys.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We got an all-timer today. Joining us on the podcast is Mr. Ty McClary. You probably know him better as Dwayne Robertson. Ty, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it.
3: Absolutely, guys. Glad to glad to do it. Glad to be able to join you guys. Okay. So, first of all,
1: I got a quick kind of question for you before we like the right when we started. One of our coworkers had said that you lived somewhere in Texas, and I like looked in the phone book, and I sent That's a letter correct. to a house listed to a Ty McClary. Did you ever get
3: that letter? Uh, not that I know of. What What did the letter say?
1: Oh, it was just like asking you to come on. Like I would have said no to it if I got the letter. Like, <laughs> we were very uh, we were very raw back then. So I was
3: just, I was just oh, very. Well, I don't think I did because I would have. Just like I did with your email, I mean, I probably would have responded if I'd have thought it was, you know, legit and all that kind of stuff, but no, (laughs) I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I, Now, I I will say this too, uh, my wife usually goes through most of our mail and uh, there's been times before where I might get something and she forgets to tell me about it and Uh it gets thrown in a stack and we forget all about it, so. Who knows, it could be in some stack of mail somewhere, and I might be lying to you, but I, I don't think I did. I don't think so.
0: She probably snuffed us out as amateurs anyway.
3: Maybe so. She could have, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so, but no, I don't think I did. Oh, that makes me feel a little better. Like, the rejection does not hurt as much. Uh, just kind of getting into it. The first major thing that is listed on your IMDB is the Mighty Ducks. Now, sure. I, I guess the story goes that you got the Mighty Ducks be, largely because of your accent. Is that, like, a true story?
3: Well, I, I mean, I can give you the short rundown. Uh, I was just like any other young, you know, wanting to be Hollywood actor or whatever. I went on a uh, couple of auditions in the Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been when I was... Uh, 14 years old I guess yeah and I had a birthday while we were filming Mm -hmm. both of them Mighty Ducks 2 and 3 so I was 14 and 15 on Mighty Ducks 2 and then uh 16 and 17 on the third one but anyway um I went on about three different auditions in the Dallas area and of course everyone would go to a new audition they were narrowing it down more and more Mm -hmm. and then finally they asked me to kind of what they call a screen test out in Los Angeles and that was with uh some of the old guys that came from the first mighty ducks and to kind of see who worked well together and who fit well together and all that. And when we did that screen test in Los Angeles, they had it narrowed down to three kids for my part. Obviously myself being from Texas, Mm -hmm. there was a young man uh, that was there from California that they had auditioned out in Los Angeles and a young man from Georgia. So they had went across the United States to, uh, to find that character and, I was the lucky one to get blessed with uh, getting the character. And now, I'm not saying it had to do with my Texas accent. I can't necessarily answer that, but I can tell you that the part called for, when my agent called me about trying out for that part, it called for a young, naive Texas kid with a Texas accent. (laughs) And as you can tell, I did have the uh, Texas accent down. So (laughs) that part, that part I had figured out.
0: Did do you know if anything ever came of the other finalists?
3: I could not tell you that because I I met them there briefly for like literally five minutes um, for those that day or two that we were at that screen test in Los Angeles, and I mean I I couldn't even tell you their names. Um, I, I don't have any idea. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you that. So I, I don't know. The only the only one that uh, the only one that uh, I remember someone that turned out to be a pretty big Hollywood star that beat me out on a roll, uh, in a show one time was, this was after the mighty ducks, not long after the mighty ducks. Uh, I tried out for a movie and I got beat out by Leonardo DiCaprio well, wow. at that time. Leonardo. Who's that? Leonardo, <laughs> Leonardo was, yeah. I don't know who he is. Some, a friend of mine told me about him, but I don't really know who he is. But anyway, that, that's the only one that I know of right off hand. Cause I always tell that story. I'm like, yeah, Leonardo beat me out on one. so. But anyway, no, I don't have a clue about the other two guys. And like I said, I I couldn't even tell you their name. I, I, I knew them for about five or ten minutes. I mean, I, I didn't get to visit with them very much.
2: What was the, the movie that Leo beat you out on?
3: It was a made-for-TV movie, and actually it was a Western called The Good Old Boys that Tommy Lee Jones starred in. And uh, uh, kind of part of that Lonesome Dove, Larry McMurtry, some... Kind of somewhat part of that series if i'm if i'm remembering right I, I could be wrong about that but uh it was part of that and and uh tommy Lee jones was playing the lead in it and uh, i was trying out for a character to play uh his nephew in it he was going to be my uncle and uh like i said I it was made for tv movie called good old boys and and uh i believe it was uh, if i get all that right I, that's been about Oh, twenty years ago. So sometimes my memory fails me about getting the ones <laughs> right and the ones wrong. So, but I think that was the one.
1: So you go into the Mighty Ducks and you are one of the the new cast members. Was there any animosity from those original cast members with these new guys coming in?
3: Not at all. Great bunch of kids. We had a we had a really good time uh, filming. Uh, obviously, all became. Really close friends for the, you know, five or six months that we filmed Mighty Ducks 2. And then we came back uh, a little bit over a year later and filmed Mighty Ducks 3 and was together again for about five or six months. And even after that, prior to the movies coming out, we were traveling the country doing, you know, premieres and different things. And we all became really, really close. And everybody, of course, always follows up with that by saying, well, do you still talk to all of them? And I tell everybody it's like, graduate in high school you all you know sign each other's yearbooks and you're like okay i swear we'll stay in touch and all that and you never speak to each other again there was a few of them that i stayed in contact with um and we would kind of stay in touch for about i would say for about five or ten years after the movie and then of course it just slowly got gradually got less and less and i haven't talked to any of them in probably a little over five years at least maybe even longer than that
2: who are you uh, closest with uh, on the set?
3: I would probably say one of the closer ones would be the young man that played Russ Tyler, Keenan Thompson, mm. who is now a uh, big time on Saturday night live and all that. And the reason Keenan and I became so close is uh, obviously we were all for the most part under 18 years old while we were filming those movies. And you had to have a legal guardian with you at all times. It was over 21. Well, my dad was self-employed, and he went with me at the time. And Keenan's mom was a nurse. They were from um, the Atlanta, Georgia area, and she was a nurse back in Atlanta, Georgia. So when Keenan got that part in the movie, she made a deal with her work that she would go out to Los Angeles and be with Keenan for two weeks, and then she would go home for, uh, I believe, two weeks and work, and then back for two weeks, and did that for five and six months that we were filming those movies and she asked my dad if he would be keenan's legal guardian while we were uh while she was gone back and forth to work so while his mom ann was gone back to georgia working keenan would actually live with my dad and i in the apartments they had for us and i mean he almost became like a brother to me for for that time so we we became pretty tight, and that's probably the one that i've stayed in contact the most with um I uh, Some of the other guys I would see around the Los Angeles area and stuff like that after we filmed the, the Mighty Ducks thing. And the, when I moved out there to the Los Angeles area and we were all kind of still working, trying to do movie stuff. But but uh, for the most part, Keenan was probably the one that I stayed in contact with the longest. And, and like I said, that's just I haven't talked to him just because just like anybody else we've gotten busy and doing our own little lives and and i haven't talked to him in quite some time now and i've actually been one it's been on my mind for the last few years to actually call him and touch base with him and see how he's doing but but i definitely haven't talked to him in quite some time
2: so and i uh, obviously in d2 that whole uh whipped cream on the face scene i imagine that was you know born out of some hijinks that you and keenan had uh you know just uh, hanging out together
3: uh, yeah i uh I don't know where that one actually came about. That was all obviously the writers that did that, but I can assure you they got a pretty good kick out of uh, out of doing that to me. Because let me tell you, when we filmed that particular one, they had shaving cream all over me. <laughs> it was it was real shaving cream. There wasn't any jokes about it. And it was definitely uh, it was definitely something that they uh, had a pretty good time with <laughs> putting shaving cream all over me. And before that was done, I think. The day that we filmed that thing, we had shaving cream all over that little room that we were (laughs) filming that thing in. But yeah, they got a pretty good kick out of doing that for sure. That's actually funny that you say that because my little daughter is five years old and that's one of her favorite parts in that movie. She really gets a pickle out of that when they put shaving cream all over my face. So she thinks that's pretty funny. who's,
0: uh, Who's her favorite character?
3: I'm going to have to go with Dwayne Roberts. I think. <laughs> so that would be her, that would be her favorite character. The all right. Second favorite. Would have to be, she may be biased. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I think that's her favorite.
0: Does she have a second favorite? Uh,
3: You know what? I don't know, but I'll have to ask her and get back with that. On <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm hoping the first, second, and third will all be her daddy, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs>
1: So how many takes did you have to do of getting shaving cream like sprayed on your face?
3: Oh, there there's no telling. I I don't even know that I could tell you the number of that. I mean, that was something yeah, we ended up doing for it might have even been something for a couple of days. I remember that particular. I remember filming that when we actually filmed that one in a uh, in a movie studio out there in Los Angeles. I can't remember uh I can't remember the uh stages that we were using but we had like uh, they had a fake locker room built in one and they had our little dorm rooms that you know you saw a lot of stuff in built Mm -hmm. in another couple rooms and one of those obviously was that bedroom that I was actually you know supposedly asleep in that night but uh, I mean that was something that we filmed for a couple days because you know how movies work I mean they got to turn the cameras around and change the lights and do everything else and get a close up or two of everybody that's in that particular scene so I guess it'd be pretty safe to say that I probably had shaving cream, shaving cream smeared on my face for about two or three days. So <laughs> by the time we got all said and done with it, so
2: it seems yeah, like it would be a
3: lots, lots and lots and lots of takes.
2: It seems like it'd be like a natural progression for you to be like a Gillette spokesman or something after that.
3: Yeah, no, no kid, no. Yeah, yeah. I think we should talk with him a little bit about that. I should be doing commercials for him or something. <laughs>
2: uh going back a little bit you know you mentioned um the i guess the casting call they wanted you know a young kind of naive texan um you know obviously you're, you're from texas how much of Dwayne did you bring to the role and like you know are you a naive texan or is this accent that you're putting on for it's just like a wonderful forgery
3: <laughs> no i think it's all pretty much just the way the way i are if you want to say the way i am because uh it's that's the way i was born and raised i mean I, i'm definitely. Uh, born and raised Texas and, and, and born and raised a cowboy, uh, all the, all the actual, uh, roping stuff that they put in the movie, that was all written in after the writers found out that I actually was a real cowboy and actually knew how to rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would say that would go hand in hand with all the rest of it. The naive young guy. I mean, that just kind of fell right in place. And, and really even more to that story, I was 14 years old, which I told you that already, but, um, I was kind of at a point in my, if you want to call it career that I didn't even have, but I had been trying out for movies and auditioning for roles for not quite 10 years at that time, about eight years. I started that business when I was about five or six years old, doing little kids commercials and little kids TV stuff and just trying out for all kinds of things. I mean, I tried out for big roles and didn't get anything and didn't get anything and continually didn't get anything. And after seven or eight years of, a lot of no's i uh i pretty much about told my mom and dad and my agent that i was about sick of that movie business career thing Mm -hmm. and uh i remember the day my agent called my mom and said hey there has ty ever seen a movie called mighty ducks and of course i said no because i'd never seen it and uh said well they're doing a sequel to it called d2 the mighty ducks and there's a part they're trying to cast for a young naive texas kid with a texas accent of course my mom even said on the phone said well yeah that kind of fits him pretty well and my agent said well yeah that's what i thought <laughs> and i told my agent once i said okay i said i'll go try out for this one but i'm pretty much done after this i'm just i'm fed up with the hearing the word no after every audition i go to and i'll be darn if i didn't get the part and there you know it went on from there but uh yeah, I would say it was pretty much all of me that, that came into that character, just like the way I am. So
0: I, I know you were 14 at the time, but did you have a backup plan if you had decided to you know give up the acting life? Did you have a, a, a plan well, B? I,
3: I would have to say it would revolve on back to something that I've continually done the rest of my life. I mean, I was born and raised in a uh, ranching and, and rodeo family, my mom and dad. Uh, have been in the rodeo world for a long time, and that was something that I was doing really, really a lot. Even at that time, at 14 years old, I was high school competitively uh, competing in high school rodeo and all that. So, I mean, I've I continued right on with that. And to be honest with you, I I still did even through the middle of of doing some movies and things that I did for quite a few years. But um, yeah, I mean, I was just I just was simply ready to give up the movie thing just. Like I said, because of hearing the word no all the time, I was like, well, maybe this ain't working out for me. So I was going to do like every other kid and just continue on with school and continue on with rodeo and see where that led me. You know, high school kids in rodeo, they buy for scholarships just like every other sport. And I would have probably continued on with that and gone on to college through college rodeo. Now, I didn't do that. I did continue to rodeo throughout. Like I said, my my wife and my family and I still have horses and we still rode till this day. Uh, that's something that's been a part of my life, you know, my whole entire life. So it would have probably really, really involved that more than what it has just because of the uh, acting career that I did. So I, I would say it would have probably fell back to that.
2: And so, uh, you know, you go D, you go to do D2 and, you know, mentioning kind of doing the, these tours and stuff, the premieres. What happens when you, you know, get back home and you're now, you know, you know, Ty McClary movie star?
3: I was... I mean, it was easy for me growing up in a small town in West Texas in Abilene where I lived at the time. Um, It was cool, obviously. Uh, I obviously gained quite a few friends that I didn't have when I left, but uh, (laughs) uh, I I was okay with that. But uh, it was pretty normal for me. I mean, I went right back to a normal life, and I went right back to the normal school. I graduated from a school called Wiley High School. So uh, after filming Mighty Ducks 2 – I think we were into my, I guess starting into my sophomore year, either my sophomore or junior year, I can't remember now, but uh, I went right back into high school and, and just living a normal life. Now, yeah, lots of people thought it was cool. My little town, I mean, they did some really cool stuff for me. They We had a big premiere right there locally in, in one of the theaters there in Abilene when the movie came out. I got to invite a lot of people, a lot of friends and family and you know things like that that was really cool. But other than, signing a few autographs from time to time and getting recognized by folks and even still till this day getting recognized by folks even though it's been over 20 years ago uh other than that it was pretty normal for me uh even into my rodeo career through high school and all that obviously that was something that the announcers at the rodeos would talk about and you know they definitely brought it to everybody's attention but seriously it was it was pretty normal just went back to a normal life. a young man that had just done you know got to co-star in a movie called mighty ducks two and then fast forward a year year and a half later and went and did it again on mighty ducks three and then so on from there so it was actually pretty normal for me
1: how much did it help you get homecoming dates prom dates that kind of stuff
3: well uh i'm gonna say it helped a lot <laughs> <laughs> because uh my big ears probably didn't have a whole lot to do with it, so I'm, I'm going to say it probably helped a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Maybe that's maybe that's what I meant by some of the ones I said that uh, I gained some friends that I didn't have when I left. So uh, maybe, maybe it falls under that category.
1: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that the writers wrote the lassoing into the script. Is that something you showed them, you told them? How did they kind of figure that out?
3: It was actually pretty funny. The screen test that I told you about earlier, uh, that I was doing out in Los Angeles. Uh, rodeo cowboys that that, that rope and, and use a, you're calling it a lasso, but we call it a rope. Oh, when you bad. do that all the time, I mean, you you spend a lot of time with one of those in your hand. I mean, you're just always messing with it, and you take it with you everywhere you go. It's just like a kid wanting to play baseball takes his bat and ball and glove everywhere with him. And I mean, they just spend hours and hours and hours with it. Well, that's the same way with a rope for a cowboy kid. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with one since the day I could walk. I had a rope in my hand. Well, I took one in my suitcase when my parents and I went to Los Angeles for that three-day screen test uh, prior to getting the movie. And on one of the particular breaks, we were outside. And a couple of the kids that were out there with me, I was joking around with them, roping them and the writers and the director happened to walk outside and see that. And one of the writers who was the main writer on the show named Steven Brill Mm. walked up to me and said, man, you really can do that. And I was like, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. I just said, Oh yeah, I've, I've done this all my life. Well, next thing I know I get the part. And then all those scenes with the rope in mighty ducks two and three were written in later after they, You know, figured that out. And it it ended up being funny because uh, one of the scenes in, let's see, in in Mighty Ducks 2, there's a scene where we're all practicing on the ice. This is actually in the movie and and, uh, our coach, Emilio Estevez, you know, calls us all to center ice. And then, you know, I can't remember what he said word for word, but we're going to have a little fun and Hmm. Dwayne's going to rope everybody and they blow the whistle, and I went skating around roping everybody. That is actually, now in real life, that is actually how the professional hockey coaches taught me how to skate <laughs> because when we, when, we got the, when I got the part, um, we did a two-month, eight-week hockey camp to teach everybody how to skate. Some of us had never ice skated before. One of them, including, was me. And a couple of the other kids had never ice skated before. They said it wasn't a big deal. We'll teach you how to skate. Well, prior to filming the movie, we went straight to Los Angeles and started an eight-week hockey camp. And that was serious. I mean, they had professional coaches, professional skaters teaching us to skate. I mean, it was almost one-on-one for about eight weeks. Well, the first couple, three days, I was having a really tough time with it. I mean, I I'd never been on ice. I've been on roller skates like one time in my life and I couldn't do that. So I literally was having a tough time with it. And about the third day of the hockey camp, I was still wrestling with it pretty good. And, uh, now obviously the writers and directors would kind of drop in and, you know, in and out watching, and seeing how things were going with the, uh, hockey camp. And I guess they were there that particular day, but, um, I was still having trouble with it and the coach, not Emilio Estevez, but the coach that was actually teaching us to skate in real life, his mm-hmm. name was Jack White, mm-hmm. he uh, he called me over and he said, hey Ty, he said, do you have your rope with you? And I did. I had my rope back in the locker room and he said, go get it. I went back, got it, came out. I didn't know what he was doing. Um, he called, Just like the scene in the movie, he calls everybody to center ice and says, alright, everybody take off. Ty's going to rope you and whoever gets roped, go sit on the bench. Last one standing is the winner. And now there's you know, 15 of the kids on the team of the actual kids in the movie. And then there's another 10 or 12, 15 coaches and skaters. I mean, there's 30 people on the ice at this mm-hmm. particular time. Well, he blows the whistle and they all take off. Now remember, I can't skate. I mean, I am, I, it's all I can do to stand up. And I look at that coach and I'm like, what are you thinking? I mean, there's no way I can rope these guys. I, he's like, just do it. You can do it. Well, the reason he did that is, and I think it was pretty amazing that he thought of it. Um, a couple of those kids would skate by me, you know, at first I wasn't hardly moving at all, but a couple of those kids would skate by me. They didn't think I could rope very good. Well, man, I just reached and roped them and boom, they were out. Well, the next thing you know, about 10 minutes goes by and I'm skating around roping. There's two kids left and they're skating as fast as they can. And I'm skating along behind them, roping them. And anyway, the last one gets done or whatever. Well, he calls me over and he's like, well, what'd you learn? I didn't really know what he was talking about. Well, I didn't even realize that because he got my mind off skating and got my mind on roping, my feet just kind of came to me, and I'll be darned if that didn't teach me to skate. And I went over and laid the rope down, and I took off skating, and that's literally how I learned to, rope was, or learned to skate was with the rope in my hand. And I think it was brilliance on that coach's part because I, I might have never learned. I mean, I, I was wrestling with it that hard that I was just thinking about it too much that I think it was pretty neat that he came come up with that idea to, put something else in my hand that I knew what I could do with. And my feet just kind of came to me. And like I said, next thing I know I've skated around the ice, uh, around that ice rink, groping everybody. And it's pretty cool. Well, there again, the writer saw that. And then there, that movie, that scene was actually written in the movie because of that. It's crazy.
0: Do you think they should be teaching that at hockey camps across the
3: world? Yes, and I think they should be hiring me to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, the problem with that is is we'd have to be teaching a lot of them how to rope and then how to skate. So I don't know if it would I don't know if it would work or not. But uh, if they ever decide to get a bunch of cowboys together and teach them how to play hockey, I'll be happy to be the coach for them because I'll definitely know how to teach them to skate because it worked for me.
0: I'd watch that movie.
3: <laughs> no kidding, huh? No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So it was
1: not in. I guess unnatural thing for Dwayne just to have his rope on the
3: bench there against Iceland. Well now we might be getting a little bit into the movie now because uh, you know there's things that happen in Hollywood that maybe aren't quite true but (laughs) yeah so I tell you that story to say that a cowboy's got his rope with him all the time. Yeah that's true but now to actually have it right there on the bench with him right in the final game of the playoffs and have it against Iceland? Nah, maybe that's stretching it a little far, but hey, who cares? It's Disney, and it worked, and I just happened to have the ropes in there, so whatever, it made for a good movie. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say most of the time, no, you wouldn't just accidentally have your rope sitting there, but uh, for that particular scene in the movie, I did accidentally have it sitting there.
2: You know, uh, once you, know, you film D2, and you have the premiere and everything, and then you go and do D3... You know, and then here we are. You know, twenty years later, still talking about it. Did you ever think while you were filming, it was like, oh, well, I'm, you know, really part of something special? Or, you know, when did it kind of hit you that this, uh, this like movie franchise was really such kind of like a big hit?
3: I, I, that's a great question, and and I'm gonna have to say, really, after Mighty Ducks too, because I, I'm telling you guys something. I mean, they were obviously that was my first ever big major movie role. Mm -hmm. I obviously saw how big of a project it was as a 14 and 15 year old young man, you know, all the people and how big of a crew it was. I mean, I could tell how big of a movie I think that I was a part of while we were filming it, but I definitely think at the end of it, you know, sending us to those premieres, what they did is they, the reason I mentioned that earlier is they, they grouped three or four of us together and would send three or four of us to You know, like I might go to Dallas with three or four of the guys and then to Chicago and they might send some others to L.A. and the West Coast or whatever. Uh, They just kind of split us up accordingly and and would send us around. But to see the amount of folks that would show up at those premieres to meet us and get autographs, I could tell them that it it wasn't a joke, you know, that Mm -hmm. that it was serious. And, yes, I think a lot of that has to do with it being a kid's movie a Disney movie, because obviously to get the kids there, you got to have the parents there. So that doubles your turnouts when you, when you look at stuff. And I think that's why a lot of that stuff does so good in the box office because mom and dad has to buy a ticket as well. So that's the difference in being a part of a kid's movie or being a part of an adult movie. But um, I think I realized it then on how big of a deal it was and how big of a movie it was just because of the response that we got. And, you know, it was, it was a, pretty big deal I mean at that time I remember when it it did 40 or 50 million if I remember right you know in the theaters and 20 years ago that was that was pretty darn good and of course it's just continually it's just one of those shows that I don't know about every couple of weeks somebody that I'll pass in passing hey I just watched your movie hey I just show you on tv hey this hey that you know whatever so I mean it's I guess it's one of those that I'm really proud to say that'll probably be around for a long long time and However many years from now, hopefully parents will still be showing their kids the Mighty Ducks, and I was definitely an honor to be a part of that.
1: So you get D2, you get D3. Uh, Did you feel like, okay, like the career's turning around, like I'm just going to be a big movie star for the rest of my life now?
3: (laughs) I guess deep down inside I was hoping that or wishing that, but I also knew that I was right there on the verge, on the step of, especially after Mighty Ducks 3, you know, turning 18 years old, I knew that I was getting close to, you know, stepping over into that adult role instead of the kids stuff. And and you can look back at it for the last 40, 50 years. Sometimes it's hard for kids to step over that line and and get into the adult stuff. And I would say it was definitely hard for me because, you know, there was a lull there for me for a little while that I had a tough time with auditioning for stuff because they, you know, directors and writers would think, well, do we still see him as an 18 year old kid or do we see him as a 22 year old, 25 year old young adult, or, you know, it's kind of a hard transition right there. Um, yes. I would love to say that's what I was thinking. Did I have dreams of that? Absolutely. Um, would I wish that it would have gone further than it did? You bet betcha. You. Um, do I regret it? No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think anybody that was a part of something like that would, would, would be lying if they didn't say yeah i would love to have been the next big timer uh but whatever that wasn't in the cards and it didn't work out so that's okay too so Mm -hmm. but yeah i was definitely i definitely was hoping for it to you know really really take off and, and continue to go on so
1: yeah i mean that's just kind of like an interesting point in a person's life to me just like that transition and just kind of transitioning to other roles just When did you kind of know it was time to move on from Hollywood and that kind of stuff?
3: I I would say, even still to this day, I I still have an agent in Los Angeles. I have one in the Dallas area. Every great once in a while, I still might go on an audition for something here or there. Uh, It's not very often. Mm -hmm. I moved to the Los Angeles area after Mighty Ducks 3, after I graduated high school. And I pursued the movie career pretty heavily for about 10 years. And I'm sure you already mentioned that you saw my IMDb, but I mean, I was very lucky and very blessed. I got to do some other roles. I got to do a couple pretty good movies. I got to do lots of commercials. So, I mean, I'm really happy with the career that I had, uh, or the I guess I could say the career that I have, because if something was to come available, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. Uh, it's just that I know not living in Los Angeles anymore, that that's where everything pretty much originates and not being there. It's pretty hard to, 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 to get stuff. But um, really the thing that changed it for me, I met my wife in, in California. She had nothing to do with the movie industry or anything like that. We actually met in the rodeo world. Mm-hmm. Um, we met back in uh, about 2000, uh, 2000, 2001 to be exact. And then uh, we got decided to get married in 2005. So we've been married for almost 11 years this month. And the year that we decided to get married, we were trying to decide what to do with our life. I was still living in Southern California. She's from the Southern California area. So we were trying to decide, okay, are we going to start our life here in Southern California or back in Texas where I'm from, where my family lives, whatever. We decided to move back to Texas to start our life just simply because it's cheaper way of life and and a little easier to start out as a newlywed rather than trying to buy some house in California for two or three million dollars and trying to start your life that way. And because we had horses and everything else, it just cost that much more in the California area. And I obviously had slowed down quite a bit in the movie world over the past, you know, say at that time, the last two or three years when I'd met my wife and, uh, Mm um, So we decided to move back to Texas and I knew then that I was taking a big step away from it, but I just, her and I talked about it at great length and said I would always, you know, basically keep an agent or, or kind of somewhat keep my name in the hat that if something was to come along really good, that I would, you know, maybe look into it. Uh, I still do a little bit of TV work. It's not, uh, it's not anything to do with actually movies and TV shows, but, Uh, I host a uh, high school rodeo show that's on a weekly TV station. Uh, I've done this for about eight years now, and I'm basically just an analyst on a high school rodeo show. We put these kids on TV. We go to a couple different state-level rodeos, and then, uh, in fact, I'm headed to the National High School Finals Rodeo here in about two weeks up in Wyoming. Uh We televise them and put the kids on TV, and I'm just simply – a analyst just like you're watching a basketball game or a football game or whatever on tv i'm just an analyst on on tv for rodeo and uh, i've done that now for i guess going on really almost like 10 years so yes i still am involved with tv uh still might do a commercial or two every now and then but uh, uh, it, it's been quite some time since i've done a movie i guess
0: Is, is there anybody, uh, in the movie industry outside of the Mighty Ducks, uh, universe that you were particularly close with or remain close with to this day? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I definitely met, you know, lots of friends and and things like that. I I had a gentleman, uh, that I'm really close with, uh, still to this day. I mean, we don't talk every day, but I talked to him quite some time. He's one of the biggest stunt coordinators that was around in Hollywood. His name is Terry Leonard, um. Terry Leonard was the stunt coordinator on, uh, oh man, Raiders of the Lost Ark and a bunch of those movies, Ben-Hur back in the old days. I mean, he's, you look up Terry Leonard, he's got a huge repertoire of movies that he's been a part of for a long time. He actually had a little something to do with me getting a role. I I did a small thing in a movie called the wild, wild West with Will Smith. Mm -hmm. Terry Leonard was the reason I got it. He was the stunt coordinator on it. He's one that told the director to hire me. Um, American Outlaws was a movie that I did. Uh, actually, one of the final movies, or one of the last movies that I've done back in 2000. Uh, it was starred Colin Farrell and Scott Kahn. Uh, if it hadn't been for Terry Leonard, I wouldn't have got that role. He's the one that told the director to interview me. And obviously, I did an audition and, and got the part. But uh, he and I are close friends, and I've continually stayed close friends with him for, for quite some time. And in my book, he's a, he's a name that not everybody's going to recognize just right off the bat but uh, you go to looking up credits and, and when it comes to uh, the stunt coordinating business in Los Angeles, Terry Leonard would be at the top of the list. He's big time. He slowed down now. Terry's getting a little older, but uh, so that's one that I've stayed in contact with. I, uh, I got to doing right after the, uh, right after the mighty ducks movies, I got to go some, to some celebrity events and we went to a few celebrity hockey games and, um, Celebrity rodeos. They were doing a lot of those back then. They don't do many of them anymore. An old, uh, actor by the name of Ben Johnson, he passed away. Oh, 10 or 12, 15 years ago. Now, um, he and I became really close. He was, he was, uh, Ben Johnson won an Academy award for the movie called the last picture show. And, uh, he was definitely one of my heroes. And uh, He and I became really close before he passed away. And he, was uh, the one putting on the Celebrity Rodeos, and he invited me to the Celebrity Rodeos. So Mm -hmm. I got to meet lots of kind of older actor celebrities at those rodeos, and and I've stayed friends with some of those guys uh, still to this day. So there's a few of them, but I mean, if you're wanting me to say some big-time Hollywood name right now that's big-time in the movies that I talk to all the time, no, absolutely not.
0: (laughs) i just want to quickly state for the record that i love american outlaws that was one of my, one of my favorites as a kid oh and cool I, I saw that like well, seven times in the theaters
3: <laughs> you know what that one was a lot of fun we, we filmed it in austin texas and uh, uh austin and a couple areas other areas around the texas area but pretty much the gist of it was in austin and we we had a great time really good group of guys and we had a pretty good time filming that one it was a lot of fun
1: all right, Ty. We're kind of going over here, so we we'll, we got like one last question for you. Uh, we do this All thing. Right. We do this thing called the Quack Question, where basically we asked the fans to send in their questions for you, um, and we kind of pick the best one and then ask it. So Kevin has the Quack Question for you. All
3: right, cool. All
0: right, we had a lot of really good ones that uh, a lot of them were kind of answered just during our conversation, uh, but this one comes from regular Quackalite at Totally Offside. Uh, and the question is which duck was the best at avoid the lasso and who is the worst
3: at avoiding the lasso? Is that what you said? Yeah. Wow. That is a pretty good question. Um, well, definitely the, I, I'm trying to think back of the, of the best skaters, uh, you know, that were quick and, and, and really good at getting away from me. So obviously the, you know, Luis Mendoza was the speed skater. Mike Vitar is his real name. Mm -hmm. Uh, He really could skate pretty fast. I'm going to say he and uh, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson played Charlie Conway. I remember those two being – I I can't narrow it down to one, so I'm going to throw out a couple names. Uh, And I also remember uh, uh, Garrett Henson, who played Guy Jermaine. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He was a little guy and really quick and really fast. They were probably some of the hardest ones that I remember roping, and uh, I would say the easiest. And if he, and if he, and if he finds this out, I'm probably going to get in trouble. He's probably going to get mad at me. But uh, the two easiest were probably Goldberg, <laughs> and, who was Sean Weiss, and my buddy Kenan Thompson, uh, who played Russ Tyler. They were probably the two easiest to rope. So uh, they, I'm not going to say they were the slowest because they'll get mad at me if I say that, but. They're really good friends of mine, so I guess I could say they were probably the two easiest.
2: We uh, we've had Sean Weiss on here a couple times, so we're definitely gonna have to go back and uh, and take that to him. <laughs> you're see you're
3: him. gonna have him on again and tell him that I said that. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure he'll love that, knowing that I'm picking on him. But it's okay. We all like each other enough that we can pick on each other, so it's all
1: right. What is the name of your rodeo show that you do?
3: That show is called, it's sponsored by a uh, clothing company called Cinch. You know, there's all kinds of different Western wear clothing, but uh, Western clothes called Cinch. So it's called the Cinch High School Rodeo Tour. And it's on every Sunday evening on a channel called RFD TV. RFD is kind of a uh, farm channel where there's lots of uh, ranching and farm shows and different things like that. and, And, uh, that show that, like I said, I've done, I've hosted it now for about the last eight or nine years. It's called the Cinch High School Rodeo Tour. All
1: right. Listen to the Cinch High School Rodeo Tour on RFD TV. Uh, for us, the Quack com, at Quack Pod on Twitter, go to the shop, Quack Facebook.com slash Quack Pod, iTunes, go there. <laughs> Uh, give us a five-star review. Tell us your favorite thing about uh, Ty's little uh, interview here. And remember, ducks fly together.
0: Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. Yep.
1: No quack
3: yeah. yeah.